So I'm a late in life conversion. I didn't come to know the Lord till I was 47. And I wish one of the guys that discipled me was here today because he, if he could see this, he would just be really proud of you guys. He, he told me, so I was um, working as a sound guy, you know, because you start church is so overwhelming. And uh, we had this men's event and I was supposed to do the sound system and I came and nobody was there. And Steve said, oh, I forgot to tell you, we, we forgot to announce it in the bulletin. And so, uh, but he said, don't worry, Arnie, men, they're not spiritual like women. And so, so just get over it, you, you know, and I was sound guy for the women's tea, you know, and there's like a thousand ladies there. And, um, and that was Steve's whole view was um, women are just more spiritual. And I, I thought that was pretty fascinating. And then as a new believer in men's groups, um, I would look around and there would be 10 men. Two of them would be on fire for Jesus. Just. Fire for Jesus. And others aren't. And you know, the, the whole thing that it comes down to is how do you manage the dark side of you? Okay. And we all have a dark side. Okay. We have thoughts. We have all those things. And you know, if you're a typical kid, um, I was always taught, probably not by my parents, because my parents were um, great Christian people, but I was always taught what you think about won't hurt you. Okay, because nobody knows what you're thinking. And um, I've come now with 20 years of, of doing this kind of research. Forgot to start my timer. The other NCS, they put a big thing with the, you know, counting down, you know, like, oh man, you're running out of time. And um, they, uh, they just get to a, a, a place of where, I lost my train of thought. Okay, come up. Um, so at the other NCS, we'll, we'll take that. <clears throat> when I was here last time, uh, we just launched this great big study on temptation. And we used that Wikipedia, you know, that scientific journal, uh, for a definition of temptation is thinking about those things that you know that are wrong for you, okay? And we did um, uh, general population uh, world studies all over the world. And at that time, about 95% of the people in the world um, thought about things that they knew that were wrong for them, okay? And uh, so we were just launching this. I was at the other NCS. It's, it's uh, in Manhattan. It's a little different. Uh, you're supposed to wear a jacket, you know, so and uh, not Levi's. It, it, they have a dress code. Which, um, anyways, when I was presenting, I used the example of you're in your car and there's a naked lady walking across the street and she's beautiful. How long do you look at her? 
And so we started down the road. And, you know, there's a few lawyer types. Well, you know, temptation isn't really a sin. I mean, Jesus was tempted. Okay. So then another lawyer type, and I'm saying 10 seconds. You know, you're a guy, you're an idiot. Okay, 10 seconds. Uh, one of the attorneys says, you know, I, I really think a minute. You know, I mean, she's walking, she's beautiful, she's walking slow, a minute, and I, I don't think it's a sin. And the other attorney said, you know, I think it'd probably be fine if you just pulled over and even watched her for 10 minutes. I don't, I don't think that that's really a sin. So then I, I uh, we call them intervening variables. I added, well, and suppose your wife is sitting next to you in the car. <clears throat> And it went right back to 10 seconds, five seconds. I wouldn't even look, you know. And uh, so these spiritual things are really interesting and complex. It's one of the most complex kinds of research um, I've ever done. And it's, it's called human-centered design. And human-centered design is basically where you take the concept of winning the day, okay? So how do we help you win the day? And that, that's my area of expertise. And with human-centered design, I did the, um, uh, when I got out of uh, school, uh, I started working with violent autistic children and basically try, as a behavior, uh, uh, modification person, how do you help them win the day? Was it a spiritual thing back then? I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't think it was a spiritual thing. Um, I still don't with a lot of people with brain damage. And uh, I became pretty well known uh, at that for our success stories. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Geraldo Rivera. You guys, I, It's hard for me to say his name. Good old Geraldo Rivera put me in business. So I'm, I'm working with autistic kids that are violent. Uh, they do, you know, they would scratch out their eyes. They would do just, and our job was to get them to stop, win the day. And uh, uh, Geraldo, he gets a, a like a Nike bag. or uh, Back then, remember those Sony cams, those big old things? He cut a hole in his Nike bag and put the camera in there. And then he went to the state hospitals in California and posing as a, a psych tech, psychiatric uh, worker. <clears throat> and so he would go and uh, he'd just take that camera with him and, and sit down. And probably his most famous, um, and, and he wanted to get known as a reporter. Nobody knew who, who Geraldo was. And his most famous, was he's at a table about like this with 10 staff sitting around uh, and they're all playing poker. And uh, there's off to the side, <clears throat> you see this archway and there's another state hospital worker with their legs up across <clears throat> and there's 80 uh, clients from the patients from the state hospital all showering male and female, while, while the staff are playing cards. And Geraldo, wanting to make a name for himself, 
This is what $160,000 a year per patient per year gets you with your tax money. Well, it infuriated, and I, I, I know you're not supposed to say pissed off in Christian circles, but it really pissed off the governor uh, of California. And he got this guy, um, the state senator, who's a powerhouse, and they were going to put an end to these horrible things that were going on in the state hospital, and they couldn't touch it. Because the psych tech union, they were um, unionized. So couldn't change the lives. So somehow they found me. Okay, and I'd never worked with, with uh, violent adults. And, I, you know, my thing was, it's one thing to work with a five, cute five-year-old or seven-year-old. You know, okay, if they're yelling or screaming or whatever. But you take that and, and a 35-year-old and they become, um, uh, and they become violent, they become dangerous. I said, I've never done this before. So we worked it out. Anyways, I got carte blanche. We started working and, and we started figuring out how those people could win the day. Now, one of the things about me, it, <clears throat> I'm a researcher, I'm not some, I'm, I'm a recluse. Um, I'm not so much a public speaker. Um, I, uh, um, I really, really had to um, stay out of politics, just do the job, focus. But one thing for me, I realized I am incredibly stupid about my spiritual life because I had made <clears throat> a lot of money young um, and things were going really fast. But, and I could figure out and help these people win the day, but I could not figure out spiritually what was going on. And there was absolutely no excuse. I was raised in a, a Christian home. I was student body president at uh, my high school, uh, Christian schools all the way through. But when I turned 20, I decided to walk away. Okay, just, uh, and, and when I look back at that, um, you know, my parents would always ask, what did we do wrong? They didn't do anything wrong. Uh, I, when I look back at it, I just thought there was hope. You know, like you take hope when you're a young guy. Hope in money, hope in women, hope in the fast. Oh, drugs. Yeah, you know, they're a lot of fun. Um, you start getting hope. Yeah, there was Jesus, but... Very quick, I remember I, I, um, I, I drug overdosed and I was praying to God, just save me this one time. And, uh, and he did. And I, you know, thank you, you know, off to the next party. <clears throat> and I kept looking for hope. And you, you look at hope for um, drugs, you know, for women. We are companies. Um, started um, really, really uh, going. We started, um, uh, I was able to uh, to build, uh, you know, this 5,500 Spanish um, square foot house. And I, I do remember it had balconies and I was like 31 and 
I remember looking up at the balcony and just thinking, you know, maybe I should hang myself. You know, so I know I'm in trouble. Okay. And so at that time, I think I was working on my third marriage. And it's like, there's always something better. Now I'm, I'm a boater. And one of my boats uh, name was Unamas, uh, which means one more. And that was kind of the story of my life. One more party, one more this, one more that. And um, it, it just, um, oh, my other boat was Galatea, the perfect woman. Um, and so you put your hope in all of these other things. And I, I started realizing we took um, our, one of our boats down to uh, Cabo San Lucas. I like to fish. And uh, I always, you know, after going through these failed marriages, all of this stuff, you know, the cars just, I thought, you know, maybe the best thing to do is just retire and go cruising. And so um, I, we, we come in to Cabo. Uh, I come in on the beach and here's these two guys uh, older than me laying on the beach, drunk, just wasted. And, uh, you know, they, hey, welcome to paradise, you know? And so, um, I started to get to know these guys and I found out that they've been there for two or three years and they have a lot of problems and more importantly, their life was empty. And so, you know, I, I got this thing over time. I'm the world's biggest spiritual loser. Okay, I just, I can't figure it out. I don't know, probably you guys, some of you guys will know that song, uh, Is That All There Is? And uh, just you get that kind of sarcastic stuff. And then um, I think I was, yeah, 45. Um, Peter Jennings, World News Tonight, their guy uh, calls me and says, we want to do a special on, on your programs, how you help uh, the people you serve win the day. And I said, okay. Okay, as long as you don't mention our name, uh, and uh, I don't have to do any of it. So they did this this uh, film, uh, five minute special on us, and um, everything was fine. A week later, I get a call, um, and I'm I'm a recluse, um, and I get this call at work because everybody's at a birthday party, and I'm answering the stupid phone, and this guy says I'm from Magellan senior vice president, and we'd like to come and tour your facilities. You know, I said, well, you know, we got like 30 facilities. I don't do tours. Well, we're sending a team. So, okay. So I, I had them come. I, I, didn't, I didn't meet them. You know, they went out and, and took a look. And then um, he comes in and he says, um, we're really interested in buying your company. And, um, you know, I'm privately held there, Magellan. And I said, oh, okay, how did you ever hear about us? And he said, oh, we watched that special on uh, uh, Peter Jennings' World News Tonight. Okay. So what my point is, so many of these things 
I had absolutely no control of. I mean, it's hard to sell your business if you've got uh, a small business. Um, I didn't have any idea. You know, it's like, even though I didn't know Jesus, Jesus knew me. So um, we work out a deal, get sold. So I retire at 45, going to live the good life on, on wife four. And uh, uh, we're going to go to Mexico because we, we like Mexico, go fishing. And then we go from there to uh, come back to Newport Beach. Uh, she uh, <clears throat> goes home. Uh, I get a couple friends of mine. Um, and we go to Alaska because Alaska, I used to send our boats up there. Um, but this time I was going to be the skipper. I was going to go up. So we went up. And on our way to Alaska, um, we're about 160 miles out of Juan de Fuca, where you come around the corner, and we got in this killer storm. And it, it was, we had a weather router, and, um, you know, he said, you've got a break, go. You, you'll make it around the corner before it gets rough. Um, so we decided we would go out and party a little bit more before. Um, and you know how that goes. So instead of, we basically, we drank up our window. So we get going, we get out there, and we get in the storm, and I get a call from uh, uh, the Coast Guard um, saying that the um, some ships in your area have been hit by 100-foot um, rogue waves. Okay, so we're, we're in about 50 feet of waves. We're doing okay. Um, but a rogue wave comes in a different direction. So, uh, you know, one of the guys is sleeping, tied in the bunk, and uh, me and, and Jerry, you know, we're talking, should we wake him up? Because both of us came to the conclusion, we're dead meat, we're, we're gonna die. And so we argued back and forth. Well, if you were sleeping, would you wanna be woken up to be told you're gonna die? And we both decided the heroic thing to do was to let him sleep. And so I was very sure we were going to die. I gave my heart to the Lord that night. Okay. Jesus Christ saved me. So I go back in, in our pilot house. There's a, a bunk. Get on the bunk. Tie myself in. Totally expecting to die. Uh, called my wife. Love you. I didn't say anything. Just, and um, I get up the next morning and I'm alive. It's like, wow. So I'm driving the boat again. And I start thinking, you know, I really jumped the gun here. My, <clears throat> my parents were missionaries. That's the last thing. You know, I don't want to go to some place. Um, I really, really shouldn't, you know, I, Wow, I jumped the gun. And as I'm thinking that, we got hit by a wave from the back. And um, I don't know if any of you have ever surfed, but the uh, boat weighs 65 tons. We're going down this way. So the screws are out of the water. And it's like, Lord, I know I'm the lowest form of creeping thing. But if you save me, I'll change. I promise. So... We made it. We didn't flip. And my life changed. And 
What's so interesting is one of the things that attracted my wife to me, I think, is our both of our hatred for the church. And while we were in Alaska, she gave her life to the Lord, and neither one of us told each other. So we get, I get home, bringing the boat back, and it's Sunday morning, and she goes, hey, why don't we go to church? And I said, okay. And that was the extent, neither one of us knew, that was the extent of our conversation about becoming Christ followers. And then everything radically changed. So when, when I talk about managing the dark side of me, I'm really talking about false hope, about those things that you depend on to uh, that you think is going to help change your life that isn't. And this is what we're researching this year. Um, we, we've um, looked at um, four different things that I think take us more on a path of darkness than light, okay? And, and the first one is we hold on to the past to the point that may block us from growing spiritually. Let go of the past. And in, in Isaiah, it says, forget the former things. Do, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing, how it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the, in the wasteland. We've done, I've looked at over a million people's, actually several million people's spiritual lives. And our model of spiritual growth is Jesus, I'm here. Jesus is here. What do I do to move closer to Jesus today than I was yesterday? Okay, that's spiritual growth. And the darkness side is everything that takes you away. So it could be good stuff. Could be working too much at the ministry. It could, whatever it is that takes your focus off of Jesus um, is problematic to your spiritual growth, okay? And so what we found, the number one thing worldwide is fear and worry. And most of the fear and worry is based on your past experience. And we let it go. We just can't let go of worry. Matter of fact, you probably have noticed this. The, the third one is criticizing others. Now, it's, it's interesting. Guys are such perverts. They more struggle with lust and pornography. Women, number one is worry. They absolutely take themselves out spiritually. And number two is criticizing others. Now, maybe you haven't noticed, but sometimes women like to criticize, especially if you're married. And I've been mar happily married now for 30 years since Jesus transformed my life. And, but we become critical. And, and that's holding on to the past to the point that it causes you not to grow spiritually. Is it a big deal? Is, no, it's, it's just your darkness. It's the poison that you've created to take your eyes off of Jesus. How do we know this? Because we've looked at millions of people and asked them, you know, if it's in a secular context, what takes you off of doing things that are right for you? 
uh, what discourages you. And then of course, for Christ followers, um, uh, it's, it's much more detailed than that. The second thing is <clears throat> we don't see our spiritual life clearly, nor do we try. And there's that uh, <clears throat> crazy verse in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully, even as I am fully known. <clears throat> and that's right. Spiritual things are not clear. There's, And that's why we need the Bible. That's why we need the focus, and things happen that make absolutely no sense. No sense, okay? And we have a choice to put it on the dark side and get put our hope in other things, or we can put it on with Jesus. I don't know, but I need to trust him because I know he loves me, okay? So it's, it's not a matter of intellect, it's a matter of heart. And so, you know, we, we've seen that, we do uh, spiritual fitness is, is our theme. Uh, we do self-assessments and then we, we do longitudinally, you know, help, help people um, over, over time. Probably the most bizarre and really um, what, what we're going to um, be tracking this next year uh, is this phenomena of Satan masquerades as the angel of light. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, it says, and no matter and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteous. Everybody wants hope. Everybody wants to have a life filled with hope. And oftentimes, Satan can masquerade and give hope where it's really darkness. It takes you away. And, and, and just a, a simple de definition of darkness is the absence of light, which fits very well into a spiritual context. Okay, so we deceive ourselves we distract ourselves with the past and it becomes very, very problematic. And then Satan's right in there. Um, so we look for what are those things in your life that Satan has, you know it's wrong, but somehow you think it's right. And, um, and then we look for remedies. And then the fourth thing, which I think is, phenomenal, and I, I think you guys could relate, is we don't let ourselves get into the game, okay? Um, I, after 20 years of study, I can tell you now why those eight guys' lives were ohum. The two guys that were on fire for Jesus, their life was on fire, and it, it comes down to this um, uh, scripture about um, count the cost in Luke. For which of you intending to build a, a tower sits down first and counts the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. 
lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. It is not about having enough money to do something. It's the exact opposite. It's going for broke. Now, I'm, I'm a risk taker. Um, uh, I, I do things. Um, uh, I run our ministry right on the line. I drive my CFO uh, nuts. I'm, and in fact, I've driven every CFO nuts. Um, but I know you have a tremendous advantage if you focus and you go for it and you go for broke. Last, uh, uh, you know, this is like the why, you know, sometime maybe I'll come back and tell you more about the how, I'm running out of time. But the, the um, critical thing tonight, today, for you guys is you gotta get in the game. Most people, men and women, don't get in the game. And I can tell you, coming from an experience as being the biggest spiritual loser of all time, that the commitment factor is, is what makes a difference. And from my life back then, living in the fast lane, is absolutely no comparison from the time I got through the storm, gave my life to the Lord. It has been 10 to 20 times more exciting and more challenging um, and running towards some of those goals instead of holding back. So my advice to you, if your spiritual life isn't working, take a look at where's your false hope, take a look at your commitment for developing a darkness light scale, you know, where are you on a scale of one to 10 being totally sold out for Jesus Zero means not a believer. Where are you in there and how can you move it up? And look, I'm not talking, for those of you, I call some of you the Bible police. I'm not talking about a works-based kind of salvation. I'm just talking about having a successful spiritual life where you can win over the darkness. Thank you guys.